0: If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Welcome to the meeting place on what could be a snowy day. I guess we'll see. But we're still not Toronto, right? Uh, We're starting a new series called Who Cares? Uh, We've all heard or said those words at some time or another in our lives, right? Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, Depending on the tone that you use when you say those words, they can reflect either... Uh, a lack of concern or genuine concern for example you can say who cares in a tone that suggests that you actually don't care or you do care for instance you can say who cares you know it's snowing out today who cares i don't care or you can say who cares you know kids care right august august 31st 1997 To date, most of you will remember once I get into this story. My family and I were camping with a bunch of other families up at Horn Lake uh, when we heard the news that Lady Diana had been killed in a car crash. Uh, Some of the people that were sitting around the campfire that evening uh, were royal family watchers. You know, they were were into the royal family. They they, They were the ones that stayed up all night to watch Lady Diana's wedding and all that. And so they were in shock. And the whole mood around the campfire kind of just dropped, but not everyone shared that sentiment. As people began expressing their disbelief at the news, like, I can't, I just can't believe it. This one guy uh, threw his head back and he said, who cares? Like people die every day in car crash. What's the big deal? And everyone's kind of looking at him and he just, it's, now don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to paint this guy as this callous, you know, guy that does, is a meanie, because he's not. He's actually a really nice guy. It's just for that particular thing, he didn't care. Like, came out wasn't a big deal. It's like, I, I don't understand what the big deal is. But there were people there, it was a big deal. They did care. Who cares? Who cares? Bottom line is, we all have things we care about, don't we? Sometimes we care about the same things, sometimes we don't. Uh, for instance, I care about sports. Anyone else care about sports? Today's what? Super Bowl, right? Uh, any Ram fans? Or should I say uh, anti Brady fans? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I figured there might be some out there. Uh, motorcycles. I care about motorcycles because nothing feels better, or helps me clear my head faster than finding a twisty, turny road and just getting out there and getting into a rhythm of leaning and turning and leaning and turning. Just becoming one with that road, it's like like the best feeling ever. Another thing I care about, food, meat in particular, I love meat. I care a lot about meat. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was out for dinner with our whole family, went out for dinner, take our son-in-law, Jeff, out, uh, and we ended up ordering this meal, him and I, called the tomahawk. 40 ounces of beef on a bone. <laughs> we barely got through it. Needless to say, we, uh, we were in a meat coma the rest of the night, <laughs> but it was epic. Uh, here's another thing I really care about. Coffee. Yeah, coffee's great, isn't it? A Salute to the coffee drinkers. Uh, it's the thing that gets me going in the morning. And i, I, I got to say, kind of embarrassingly so, uh, it's a good thing I do like coffee because you wouldn't want to meet me in the morning that I didn't have coffee. Now, those are just a few of the things that I care about, like the daily things I care about in life with what I would call a small C. But then there's those other things that I care about. The things... I care about with a capital C. The things that move to the front of the line, the top of the list, things that I'm so passionate about, I will rearrange my life for. Like my wife, Lori, my daughters and their husbands, and more recently, my granddaughters, Brooklyn and Avery. You know, I had heard over and over again from some of you here that are grandparents, like, oh, you just wait, you're just going to love being a grandparent. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I had no idea how awesome it is. It really is awesome. Uh, And it was amazing how quickly those two girls grabbed my heart. Another thing I care about with a capital C is this Church. And it's not because it's my job to care for this church. I love this church. I love you guys. I love being here. Sunday morning's like a highlight of my week. Uh, just being able to be on this journey with you, is, it just gets my feet out of bed. It's something I care about with a capital C. And Same is true for you. You have things that you're passionate about, that you'll rearrange your life for, things that your heart beats for. And the same is true for God. And according to James, uh, Jesus' half-brother, uh, here's what God cares about. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's a great verse. It's, it's so clear. God's heart beats for the helpless, the orphans and the widows. But I get hung up on the very first word, religion. I mean, what thoughts or feelings come to mind when you hear that word? Actually, you don't even have to answer that because over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of going around asking some of you, you know, what feelings or thoughts come to mind when you hear that, the word religion or religious? Uh, and... I, I, you guys were replying with statements like you'd look at me like it was a trick question and then you'd say nothing good uh it's just oh, i think of rules i think of empty rituals uh here was a big this one came up a lot is like judgment i just think of judgment i'm being judged uh, a few of you even reacted physically i'd say what do you think of religion It's just like you're trying to shake it off or something and you know what i'm no different in fact, if you were to ask me, are you religious? I, well, no, no, I'm not religious because I have the same feelings around that word. It just doesn't emote any positive images for me. When I hear the word, I think of, you know, pious, self-righteous people walking around, kind of looking down their nose, pointing their fingers and tapping you on the chest and do this and don't do that. I, I don't want to be seen in that light. And I think that's why whenever I'm asked what I do for work, I hesitate to say that I work for a church, and it's not because I'm embarrassed that I work for a church. I'm not. It's because when I do, people change. It's true. They do. Uh, They get all uncomfortable and wigged out somehow. Uh, They think I'm going to pass judgment on them, that somehow I'm better than them. for example, last year, I was, I was on holidays. We were in Vancouver, and uh, I took my golf clubs with me, and my brother-in-law said, hey, why don't you come golfing with me? I've got a bunch of guys we go every Saturday morning with, and there's a spot available. Why don't you come with us? And I was like, sure. So off we go. Everything is great until the sixth hole. And that's when, and I can't remember how it came up, but my brother-in-law said, oh, yeah, this, yeah Gary's a pastor. Oh. We got like 12 holes to go, and it was brutal. All I heard was like, oops, sorry, didn't mean to say that. Maybe throw a prayer up for the big guy for me, you know? Or, I've been good this week. Can you let him know that I really need to make this putt? It was just like, ah, religion's such an ugly word, isn't it? But here's the thing. God is into religion. just not the kind we think of when we hear that word. It's not the kind that's all about following the rules. The rituals, the routines, in order to appease God and ease our guilt and make God happy so somehow, some way, He'll bless us. I, I love how uh, author and pastor Bruxy Cavey, in his book, The End of Religion, describes the problem of religion. Listen to this. He says, The problem with organized religion is not that it's organized, the problem with organized religion is that it's religious. Believing that its own set of rules, regulations, rituals, and routines are the way to God. We humans love predictability. We love to know what's going to happen. If I do this, that's going to happen. That's what rules and formulas do. They create predictability. In a lot of ways, that's what religion, when we think of religion being rules and regulations, does It makes God predictable, almost controllable in a way. Because if you know that what God wants you to do, you know, if he wants you to do A and B in order to get C, well, then it's easy to go out and say, well, i got to do this and that, and then this will happen. And maybe God will bless me for it. And on a lot of levels, it seems to make sense, doesn't it? But is that what God is all about? Is that what he cares about? There's some words found in the Old Testament from God that were said through a guy named Isaiah, a prophet. And God's people, the Israelites, were kind of going off. They were all hung up on this whole religious thing, and they were trying to get God's attention. And God's just like, oh, you guys are just not getting this. So he says to Isaiah, I want you to go and tell my people this stuff. Check out these words. God says, Tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. Listen to God's response. I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourself. You know, if, if as we read earlier, those words from James, there is a religion that God accepts as pure and faultless and genuine, it would stand to reason that there must be the opposite. That there is a religion that God isn't pleased with. That he doesn't really get all excited about. And I would, ex- I would suggest that we just got a glimpse of it in those few words. It's when God, when following God becomes me focused. You know, it's all about me doing the right things at the exclusion of all others. I don't care what you do, but this is what I need to do in order to get right with God. But thankfully, that's not the way it is. The Bible reveals to us something important about God's heart that actually turns this whole rule-based, self-focused religion on its head. In the biblical picture, God isn't looking for uh, blind obedience to, to just follow because or to get something. He's into a relationship that's more, more than just transactional. You know, do this, do that, and then I'll, I'll kind of like you. It's, it's one that's transformational, one that's based entirely on love. Love. You know, if if I created mankind, it's a good thing I didn't, uh, here's what I might have thought to myself, okay? Sitting on my cloud, kind of watching things. I would have said, yeah, I love these little creations of mine. They're kind of cool. And I want them to love me back. But it's just not happening. It's chaos down there. Maybe I'll lay out some rules for them. And then they'll know exactly how not to annoy me and each other. And they'll all get along on a day-to-day basis. They're all going to fight about which rules are most important. But hey, that's entertainment, right? Maybe I'll start with some basic commandments. Let's say, say 10. Now that's how I would have done it if I was God. It's a good thing I'm not God. This is how the Bible tells us God did it. You know, those creations of mine never seem to get along with one another. They use me as an excuse to to beat each other up and sometimes even kill each other. So I'm going to do something totally unexpected. I'm actually going to visit them and show them exactly who I am and what I'm about. That is the Jesus thing. That is the Jesus way. And that's what makes it so stunning that the God who created you and created me came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So we could see what God is really like in action and see what his heart beats for. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the father means caring for orphans and widows In their distress. You notice what James doesn't say in that? He doesn't say the kind of religion that God likes is saying certain prayers at certain times of the day, a certain number of times a day, facing in a certain direction or in a certain position. He doesn't say it's about believing the right doctrine. He doesn't say it's about being a good person, showing up and looking like you're all put together. It's not attending church every Sunday, reading the Bible every day without fail, and memorizing huge chunks of it. You know, what people think of when they hear the word religion, the rules, the rituals, the regulations, they're not even mentioned. Instead, James concludes that religion that God likes is one that is entirely expressed by helping the helpless. You see, in the context that James was saying this, the people that were hearing and reading these words back then, uh, if you were an orphan or a widow back then, it was pretty much a death sentence. You were as good as dead. If someone didn't come along and adopt you and say, hey, you can be my son, my daughter, you can can put your legs under my table, eat my food, sleep under my roof, chances are you were going to die. And the same with a widow. If someone didn't come along and take you in and say put your feet under my table, if they didn't marry you and say hey you can eat from my, my food, sleep under my roof, chances are you were going to die. And so what James is trying to communicate to us in a broader sense today is that if you if you have accepted Jesus and the love he offers you, you're good with God. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. To earn it or keep it, you already have it. And so that frees you up to go and love others, especially those that can't help themselves. It goes back to what Jesus said the greatest commandment love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. The second is like it love your neighbor, those in your sphere of influence as you love yourself. Listen to these words that come at the end of the passage that we read earlier, you know, where the people were running around doing a bunch of religious stuff to get God's attention. God looks down at them and he's, 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 you know, he's at that point, he's like, oh, you guys are just missing what I'm all about. (laughs) You're missing what I care about, which is you and everyone around you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. And remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. And give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. And when you do that, then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Aren't those beautiful words? It's right there, black and white. Love for me Love for you, love for everyone is the is the thing God's heart beats for. We get all junked up in the trying to earn God's love and keep it by doing the right things at the right time in a certain way. God's saying it's not about that. You know, my hope, my dream is that this this place, this community, this family would. We would be that light that Jesus calls us to be, that light on a hill, that city on a hill. Don't hide it. Let it shine. You know what? We're already doing some of that, but it would be nice to do more. Uh, Last week, we had Kwanos Takeover here. I don't know if you were here for that. It was awesome. Uh, And what we're trying to do is raise enough money so we can send kids to camp that otherwise couldn't go because their caregivers or their parents wouldn't be able to afford to send them. And they get to, to just get away from the pressures of life and just experience firsthand the God that loves them, that created them, thought them up, brought them into existence. And you know what the best part of that is? Is when the people that are on that, that team, they get to phone these parents and say, hey, just so you know, we're going to be sending little Johnny or Jane to, to camp this year. And the parents go, what? Why? Why? And they get to say, just because we love you. I mean, that's the best part. And right now, we're just about halfway to what we need to send. We've got all the kids we need. You guys responded and sent names in. Now we just need to raise a few more funds, about $1,000 in around there, so we can make sure these kids get to camp. We get to be the light when we hand out food at the food bank. There's a bunch of us that do that on a weekly basis. And when some of us get to do it, you know, when a Sunday or a month has five Sundays, the fifth Sunday of the month, the food truck comes here. We get to go down and help sort food. It takes like 15 minutes. That's, that's shining a light. It's being the light. On Sunday, May 5th, we're doing TMP without walls again, uh, like we did last year. We're going to go out and we're just going to have fun in the community. Why? Because we love them. Uh, so just like last year, we're going to put together teams of people. A team that's going to go around the neighborhood and pick up the litter and the trash. Uh, we're going to have a team that goes to the food bank warehouse and helps them get organized and cleaned up for another year of service. Uh, and we're going to have, have a picnic team that's going to get all the. We got bouncy castles coming. We're going to have a huge barbecue at Deverell Park, which is just down the street, and we're going to invite the neighborhood. And the best part of it's going to be is when they come up and say, "Why are you doing this?" And then we can just say because we love you." That's it. Another thing we want to kick off, and I've mentioned this before, is we're in discussion with the school board right now about how we can partner with them in a, a program called Stock the Lockers." Because there's a lot of kids that show up on the first day of school, and they, have, they don't have pencils, they don't have rulers, they have nothing. And so we want to help them get the supplies they need. And so what we want to do, the plan we're trying to put into motion here is we're going to invite you to grab backpacks. And we're going to have school supply lists that are inside the backpack. And we just want to fill as many backpacks as we can with the supplies that kids need. But more than that, so they can have the dignity that they deserve when they show up that first day of school with a brand new backpack full of supplies. Doesn't that sound like a plan? Yeah, it sounds awesome. You know, by coming to us in Christ, God showed us that when we peel back the layers of life and reality, at the heart, at the center of it all, you don't find an ethical code. You don't find a bunch of rules and regulations and rituals. What you find is perfect love. Perfect love. God was so intent on exposing religion, the way we think of religion, for what it was, And what it sometimes still is, that he let religion kill him on a Roman crucifix. The greatest demonstration of love this planet has ever seen. And that's the good news for us, is because of what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to try and be religious. Not the way we think we do. We just need to be religious by loving those that can't help themselves. Because that's why God came to this planet, to help those who couldn't help themselves. You and me. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. And if you open yourself up to the relationship that God offers you, your motivation won't be to follow a bunch of rules and jump through a bunch of hoops, so you'll be blessed somehow because you're already blessed you're already loved and when you come to that realization it will allow you and free you to go and bless others so let's continue to align our heartbeat with the heartbeat of god because we serve a god who came to this place to help all of us and i'm glad i get to do that with you let's pray God, sometimes we hear that word religion and we just get, well, wigged out. We just, just, so many different negative images flash through our mind. Uh, But we can see through the the biblical story uh, of you coming to this planet and and dying on a cross for each one of us, uh, motivated and compelled by nothing but love. Uh, That was your message to us. Love others as I have loved you. Love your neighbor, whoever that is. Don't try and define it. Just love those who are beside you, behind you, in front of you. Especially have an eye out. Keep an eye on those that can't help themselves. That's what brings a smile to your face. And that's the kind of motivation that we want to live for, is just to love this community that you put us in. We thank you for loving us, and we pray this in your name.